You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Uh, yeah, Christian Winfield joins me for Orange and Blue Bloods here from the New York Daily News. So the Knicks essentially did nothing to replace Obi Toppin positionally. Um, he was traded, obviously, for second-round picks. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo was added to the team, but obviously DiVincenzo, a backcourt player, Obi Toppin, a four-man. Um, why is the team confident that uh, they can get by without a traditional backup four and really having Josh Hart uh, supplying those backup four minutes? You know, I mean, you look at the numbers, Josh Hart's a guy who's gone crap. Josh Hart got put in the game, took Brandon Ingram's starting job uh, in the FIBA World Cup, specifically because he could crash the glass and get rebounds, right? Like, and play defense and guard multiple positions. I, I think that's a testament to his ability to play small ball uh, at that four. And I think that's what Tip is going to lean into. So you've got him and he's going to play a lot of those minutes. You have RJ and I think we might see RJ at the four a little bit. I think Tibbs alluded to that some, but it's tough, man. When I, I thought Obi, I thought that was a deal for the Indiana Pacers. I think Obi is going to have a breakout season in Indiana. And Nick Speed is kind of divided on that, too. We were having that conversation the other day. Some of them were like, nah, Obi is no good. Um, you had to kind of move on from him. I'm of the belief that with the right head coach and with the right point guard, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be throwing full court lobs to Obi. And, and you get Rick Carlisle, who's just got a track record of developing players and, and creating good offense. I'm I'm really interested to see in what they're going to be able to do with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but here with the Knicks, I mean, number one, Julius Randle is going to play, what, like 36, 37 minutes anyway, right? right. So, like, you really just got to find a way to, to survive those other 11 minutes or 12 or however many minutes he's not playing. That's going to be Josh Hart. That's going to be uh, RJ. That might be some of these other guys that just need to fill in from time to time. Who knows? We might see uh, we might see Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein out there together. I don't know. We have right. no idea what, what we're going to see. But I, I think for the most part, we know that Julius Randle is a high usage player and that he's going to play a lot of those minutes at the floor anyway. Um, so it's really just, OK, how do we survive those minutes where he's not on the floor? Throw Josh Hart in there. I think the Knicks are going to be OK, but I think at some point. You don't want that wear and tear to build up on Julius, even though he's a guy who wants to go out there and play anyway. And you've got this uh, player participation policy that makes sure that these star players have to play. Um, I I think maybe eventually the Knicks kick the tire on trying to get uh, another four to back him up. But I think Josh Hart is more than capable. Um, And he just brings another dynamic of, you know, small ball, playing fast, being able to space the floor, shoot threes. He's I love his game, man. I, I can't wait to see them play this year. 
Yeah, I think all Knicks fans have fallen in love with Josh Hart since he came over uh, at the trade deadline last year. For you sure. Mentioned R- you mentioned R.J. Barrett. At times, he's been a polarizing figure in the Knicks community. Some people thinking he's a second coming. Some people think he's a bust. Uh, he's coming off a really successful FIBA run, helping lead Canada to a bronze medal at the World Cup. Do the Knicks anticipate RJ taking another step in his development? And what do they think that looks like, given he is kind of the third banana on a team that has two stars? Yeah, you know, I think it goes back to the playoffs last year. He had a really good playoff run. You know, there was a point in that in that stretch where anytime he shot the ball, I thought it was going in and then it would go in. He was shooting lights out. And then to go from that to then eliminating Team USA in the bronze medal game and, and being the second leading scorer on Team Canada behind Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and now you're in training camp, I, I think the Knicks are happy with his offseason. I think he's anticipating another step. And, and I think for him, it's just being more confident putting the ball on the floor, getting to the rim. We know he can shoot. He's confident in his three-point shot. I think it's just a consistency thing. I think it's an ability to defend that has to that has to improve, yeah. uh, especially since he's really like you've got Jalen Brunson, you've got uh, you've got Quentin Grimes. R.J. Barrett is really like that wing that you're building around right now. When we talk about guards run this league, it's really a wings league right now, right? When you look yeah. around the NBA, you've got Tatum, you've got Brown, you've got all these different players, all these different wing players you have to be able to compete on that wing to be able to win a lot of games, right? Even if you look at the Cavaliers, yeah. that was their big issue last year, and they went and did what? They went and got Struess, and then they went and got George Niang. I thought those are two really, really good pickups for them. RJ yeah. has to be able to defend his position. He's got to be able to consistently uh, knock down these threes, and I want to see him be able to put the ball on the floor uh, and make plays for his teammates. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's funny because whenever you ask Tibbs about any one of his players, he goes into a vague answer about the entire group. And his answer is always going to be the same. Oh, you're yeah, going yeah, yeah. to see that a lot. It, it, it's crazy. But his answer is always the same. It's like, yo, we want everybody to come in, work hard every day, and, uh, you know, just put the team first and, and sacrifice, right? And in, in reality, I mean, that that's really what, what you want, right? If you if you want to build a, a culture of, of, of winning, you've got to have everybody buy into the idea that the team is greater than individual success, right? And that means you have to sacrifice. So I, I think for RJ – it's knowing that you've got Jalen and you've got Julius who are going to get most of the touches and who are going to have the ball in their hands most of the time, but also understanding he's going to have to pick his spots and he's going to have to knock down some threes. And I think he knows that. I think he's going to build on that momentum that he had from playoffs and uh, FIBA World Cup. I think we're going to see another step from RJ this year for sure. And I thought it was interesting when RJ was asked about, you know, what did you learn about your game from the FIBA World Cup? And he said, I don't think I learned anything from my game. Um, I think that in many ways I can <laughs> – these are the things I can do on both the FIBA yeah. game and the NBA game. And, you know, some people may look at that and kind of be alarmed. I actually wasn't. I actually liked the answer because yeah. in many ways, I think we kind of know who RJ is as a player. He's a guy that has to get yeah. downhill, get to that left hand, and finish strong. And then he's got to hit open threes. If he, he, he does yeah. those two things, he's going to put up his 22, 23 points in, the, in whatever game, shoot a good percentage, and you're going to be happy with his production. If he struggles with the finishing, if he struggles only being able to go left, if he's not making yeah. his jump shots, that's where you see the struggle. So I thought to me, and I don't know how you felt about that answer, but to me, it almost felt like there was some awareness, self-awareness about who he is as a player to say, I know what I'm capable of. And I know what it's going to take for me to uh, basically be a productive player in this league. I, I just got to do it from night in and night out basis. You know, the NBA has a, a way of aging young players. Right. Like guys would be in the league for like two, three years and you think they're 30 and they're really just like 23. Right. Like RJ Barrett's been in the league for a while. He's still a young guy and he's still growing in his game. 
But to your point, that answer I was there for, I'm like, okay, there, there is a level of confidence in his abilities. And, and that's good for a player like him. That's good for the Knicks. You know, I'm really excited. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm looking at this roster. I'm looking at what they're going to be able to do this year. And it's like, for them to be able to be really, really in the mix for that number three seed, RJ is going to play a huge role in that. Because if he's not playing at a high level, I'm not sure this team is going to be able to, to reach his full potential. Because like we said, it's a wings league, right? Yeah, you've got Julius yep. Randle. Yeah, you've got Jalen Brunson. You've got all these guys. RJ is a very, very integral piece to this puzzle. And if he's not performing at the best of his abilities, I, I don't know that this team is going to reach its ceiling. So I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, I think this is going to be a breakout year for him. Um, I think within reason, right? I think he's going to take right. a step, but at the same time, you've got another, a lot of other guys. You got a lot of mouths to feed, right? And that's one of the things that Dante DiVincenzo said. He goes, yo, we, there's no egos here. Everybody, we know that we put the team first. Everybody's going to eat. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Um, I can't wait. We got games coming up next. I think I think the games start on Monday. Like it's crazy. We're basketball season's already here. I know. And I don't know, and I don't know if it's if it's because for Knicks fans, we're so used to either early exits or not even making the playoffs. <laughs> and this time you had a, a run that went uh you know pretty much into mid-May, almost late May. Yeah. It feels like the NBA season just came right around super fast. Like, you know, I'm used yeah. to like being at the point where I'm like Oh man, when's basketball going to start? Because the season, you know, technically, technically ended in April, but for the Knicks, probably ended in February or January. Because that competition <laughs> level and their ability to make the playoffs. But here, it just feels like we're back around. And now I kind of know what these Laker fans and these Heat fans just feel like. Where they're, you know, playing till June and then they're right back at it because it does feel. Like I, I mean, think about it this way: like we had, we had a, a second round playoff run. For the Knicks, and then pretty much right after that, you've got three Knicks players in in FIBA World Cup play, right? You've got yeah. Jalen oh, Brunson, you've with, got uh, Josh inches. Hart. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I forget he's on the Knicks because he don't be playing. <laughs> um, you know, what I'm saying? yeah. We haven't spoken to Evan Fournier yet, but I can't wait because I know number one, he's gonna be mad that Joel Embiid did not choose France, and number two, right. I'm pretty sure he told the media last year that he's not gonna be here this year, and lo and behold, here he is right there in Knicks training camp, shooting around, probably still gonna be a DMP. So. uh yeah, I, I want to ask you about that. We'll get Evan tomorrow. I want to ask you about that because, yeah, because I've seen a quote from a lot of the guys, and like you would think Evan was a ghost. I mean, I, I, I you know, and I know a lot of <laughs> the fans are very curious about what he has to say. He said during the offseason, during these interviews he was doing with the international papers and international websites, he said at one point he had hatred for the team for making him sit through <laughs> last year, that he wanted to spit on everybody. Like, these guys, the international players, oftentimes go to these international outlets, and I, I, sometimes I don't think they know that it's going to get translated into you know English. So then the quotes <laughs> get back to us, and we're like, "Whoa!" And I mean, he, he said he had no relationship with Tom Thibodeau. Uh, where do I know Tom Thibodeau basically said, "Look, you can't really argue with the record that we've had since Evans been sitting." But like, yeah. uh, what have you guys seen him? What's he been like? You know, even though you guys haven't talked to him, has he been normal? Has he been interacting with his teammates? What What's been the Evan Fournier stuff? We have not. So the way it works for training camp with us, right, is they'll let us in for the last like five minutes of their team practice and then they'll bring a couple players over and the rest of the guys are out of there. So I saw Evan Fournier on day one of training camp getting some shots up. Uh, I think I put a video up there, too. I think it was him and uh, maybe it was Jalen Brunson or somebody else. Um, and he seemed like he was in good spirits. Right. But I, I, that's that's only I can that's the only thing I can say from being 30 feet away from the guy and you know, not even having a chance to talk to him. I would assume we get a chance to talk to him tomorrow because we all want to, we've been asking for him the whole time. Um, but I mean, when your head coach comes out and says we're 37 and 22 after moving him to the bench and we're, we're plus five net rating without with him on yeah. the bench, I mean, 
You can't really argue with the numbers. And I mean, he could be mad all he wants, but I mean, $18.857 million to, to sit down on the bench and cheer your teammates on. You better collect them checks, brother. Better collect them yes. checks. It's going to be the last time you get him. I, I cannot see another team giving him a contract worth $10 million a year uh, after this, right? Like he's probably going to be a minimum guy or maybe that mid-level or not probably not even the full mid-level oh, because yeah. in the games that he has played, he hasn't really been very good. So it's a little bit of delusion, right? Like, But also we also see guys that struggle in the NBA go overseas and play well. Dennis Schroeder just dominated in FIBA play, and he was yeah. out the league not too long ago. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it's difficult for some of these guys. But, I mean, at the same time, brother, man, that direct deposit going to hit, and you're going to forget how many minutes you're playing. So he, he going to be all right. I think anybody listening to this podcast can tell that Christian loves what he does. Anybody who listens to the show knows how much I love what I do. <laughs> we will both quit what we are doing in a millisecond if it meant we could sit on the bench for the Knicks and make $18 million. What? What? <laughs> in a heartbeat. In a heart- I would trade places with Evan Fournay without thinking twice. You kidding me? $18 million just to not play? Just to sit and, and be a cheer, just a cheer, uh, just to pretty much just to be Theo Pinson. If Theo Pinson can make $18.8 right. $8 million just to sit at the end of the bench and dance, he would do that in a heartbeat. So would I. Stop playing. Do you think the Knicks at any point end up sending him home uh, this season? Or do you think that he'll be on the bench with these guys? He's not going to be a Jay Crowder situation where they're just waiting for him to be traded. That's an interesting question. I don't think they send him home. I, I think at the end of the day, you got to you gotta stay ready, right? Because you could have a game where I'll never forget. Um, what was it? I was covering the Nets. And like I think they had like 13 players go into health and safety protocols. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Something crazy like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you never know when your number is going to be called. So he's got to stay ready because it only takes one big game for you to be right back in the rotation. It only takes you going for 30 once off the bench. And now you're unless your name is Cam Thomas and you play for Jacques Vaughn and you put up 40 points, three games in a row. And now you still can't get on the floor. It's crazy. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it only takes one game for you to, to be back in the rotation. And. To be honest, we talked about the wing, the wing troubles. The Knicks need depth on the wing, right? If Evan Fournier was coming out and shooting 40% from three and, and doing his job on the defensive end, not giving up points, he'd be in the rotation, right? But there's just holes in his game, and he has not been the player offensively that they need him to be. So it, it, I don't think there's a, a way. I don't think they send him home. You know, I, I think you, he's got to work on his game every day and be ready for his number to be called. I think eventually he's going to get on the floor. And if he performs when he's on the floor, maybe that leads to another opportunity. And then that leads to him maybe getting another contract somewhere else. I don't think he gets sent home. I don't think there's interest in taking – I don't think a team is interested in him unless you're, like, making a deal where he's a salary filler and they're right. getting something else. And like You know, like, I don't think a team is, is dying to add Evan Fournier to the roster, right? But, like, at the same time, if his number gets called and he plays well, he might play himself into being traded somewhere else. You know, you never know. There you go, Christian Winfield of the New York Day. And there's just a few more questions before we get Christian sure. out of here. And I really appreciate your time. It's been awesome so far. Uh, the guy we haven't talked about, who's the guy that I think is kind of the money man for the Knicks, the guy that you know maybe is kind of the, the, the hood champ, so to speak, for the Knicks community, has been Jalen <laughs> Brunson and what he brought to sure. the table, not just the last regular season, but also his playoff performance, which was just dazzling. I mean, he just was absolutely incredible yeah. in the playoffs. It inspired hope that the Knicks finally found a cornerstone, a cornerstone player that they've been looking for for, for a sure. long time. Do you believe that Brunson is that kind of player the Knicks can build around? You know, if you asked me this time last year before I saw him play uh, a game with the Knicks, I would have said no, right? Just because I was, I was all in on the idea that you know he's too short, you know he he's not going to be able to guard the position. Um, I, I wasn't a believer at that point. Then after watching how he played. Absolutely. 
right? I, I think he's a guy that can be your floor general uh, for the next few years. I, I think he's gonna. I think you're gonna have to max him out pretty soon. I don't. It's not obviously it's not gonna be a super max, but it, you're gonna have to run him that bag, and, and he deserves it, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who became the starting point guard for Team USA over Tyrese Halliburton, right? Yeah. But I mean, to his, to his, I mean, he didn't really play that well for for Team USA either, and he'll be the first person to tell you that he didn't even want to talk about it. I, I asked him a question. R.J. Barrett is sitting there smiling cheek to cheek. <laughs> <laughs> laughing because he's the one who eliminated him. Jalen yeah. Brunson's like, uh, next question, please. I don't really want to talk about it. But I mean, he's a guy who you it was just so fun watching him do the things that he was doing with the basketball and just really the leadership, right? Just going out there, being able to command this group of guys and lead them. I mean, it, it was incredible. And I think the Knicks are gonna have to run him that bag. And I do think he's a guy that you can build around in terms of okay, well, let's just throw a name out there. Say for say, for example, these guys want to go get Joel and B. Right. Yeah. If you're telling me you've got Joel Embiid and you've got Jalen Brunson and you've got some other pieces, maybe you still have Julius Randle there, too. I like I, I, I feel like there's an ease and there's just like a poise that comes with this whole team when Jalen Brunson has the ball in his hands. Right. Yeah. And that's what you look for in your point guard. You look for your point guard to be able to give that calming effect. Right. That's I think they said the same thing about Kawhi. When Kawhi's on the floor, everybody's calm because, you know, he's going to make the right decision. Jalen Brunson is that same type of guy. And he comes up big in crunch time. Um, I think he's worth all the money. I think he's a guy that you can build around. I think the Knicks build around him from this point on for sure. You talk about the Knicks feeling that calm when Brunson has the ball in his hands. To me, uh, throughout that playoff performance, the one that sticks out to me, and maybe it sticks out to me because I was in the building. Shout out to my guy, mm. Keith McPherson, hooked me up with the tickets. To the next <laughs> but like uh, Brunson, game five, 48 minute. A battle with the Miami Heat, where you got the Heat pressing him oh, full court. You have no Emmanuel quickly, no Deuce yeah. McBride plays, so you're playing the whole 48 minutes at point guard with the Heat pounding him defensively, and he puts on that 30 piece he had and leads the Knicks to that come from behind victory. That to me will always be kind of. I know people talk about the game six they lost, but I thought that performance really told me, okay, this guy is something different. Because I mean, yeah, you got Caleb Martin who's six foot seven, great athlete, strong, is running with him full court, basically the entire game, where you're mixing in Kyle Lowry, you're mixing in Gabe Benson to pick up that uh, uh, all 98 feet, 96 feet, and he's still uh, being able to play the way he did. I think Brunson, you're right. I think he just adds a level of insurance for the Knicks when he has the ball in his hands. He's a special player. I, I think, and then you 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 build on that by listening to things that Eric Spolster is saying about Jalen Brunson after the game, just singing his praises and it's just like to, to have a guy like Eric Spolster talking about you like that. And then to I, I don't think there's any greater honor for him than starting for Team USA. I know it didn't go the way he he thought. Yeah. But like a lot of people had Tyrese Halliburton winning that starting job. And I thought to myself, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is really talented, but Jalen Brunson is a leader. Right. And, and that's what it boils down to. Jalen Brunson is the leader of this Knicks team. And you just trust him to have the ball in his hands. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder now because he played so poorly for Team USA. Uh, according to his own saying, he'll be the first person to tell you that. I, I think he's got to come out and prove that that's not who he is. And I think we're going to see another level to his game this year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I tell you what, 
their two stars that added to this conference, at least added to the, to the top of this conference now with Damian Lillard going to the Bucs, Drew Holiday traded to the Celtics. Yeah. Picks were, uh, weren't much of a factor in any of those sweepstakes to trade for either of those players. And um, it said they only right now have minimal, if not any interest in James Harden. Uh, the Knicks are rumored to be kind of holding on to these chips that they have, these first round picks, these uh, potential for pick swaps. And of course the young players they have on their roster for the quote-unquote right superstar, the guy that fits what they want. Um, but do you think that this is a strategy that is a risk to not go after a Dan Lillard or go after a Drew Holiday or go after a James Harden or any of these other guys that may have been on the market, uh, a Zach Levine, a Carl Anthony Towns? Do you think that's a risk to kind of hold on to these chips, hoping that you get the biggest fish to them all uh, when you have these other guys that have been available? Or you think that is a smart move for the Knicks to wait and make sure they get their guy? I, I think – uh, you, I think you can look at it both ways, but I think at the end of the day, you know, James Harden right now, he says he wants to be somewhere. And then the next day, I mean, I was covering James Harden in Brooklyn and he'd say, he said yeah. he wanted to be there and then you turn around and he don't want to be there no more. You know, <laughs> you look at the situation in Dallas, Luca could ask out if they start losing. He's a guy that seems like he, he doesn't have really much patience. You know, these superstars these days, they, they're trying to be up out of here, right? You know, like they, they don't necessarily want to stick around in a situation if it's not for them and then you just go in and you look at, at, at what the Knicks have right now you've got Jalen Brunson Julius Randle under contract through 2024-2025 I think Julius Randle is going to opt in uh, for the 2025-26 season that's 32.4 million I think Jalen Brunson is going to opt out uh, and and try to get that more and try to get a uh, and try to resign for more money which makes sense right so I think you've got to make some decisions there I, I think that you know this is a kind of team where you, they've got so much flexibility here that you can kind of play both sides to where you can make a trade. That's why I think the Drew Holiday to the Knicks trade scenario was interesting because you could have traded for Drew Holiday and then still had assets to trade for somebody else, right? But I think still at this point right now, you've still got that in your back pocket. You've got the Evan Fournier contract, which is what, about $19 million. You've got a couple yeah. players you could put together for a trade. And you've got all these draft picks. That I think, what, eight? first round picks they can trade or seven, seven or eight, like you're in the driver's seat to be able to put together a compelling trade package for any superstar that becomes available. And superstars are becoming available every summer. It feels like, cause everybody's trying to get to a New York or LA or Miami. The Knicks will always have the New York city market to their advantage, right? They will never have super, they will never be a, a summer where superstars don't want to go to New York. So yeah, sure. They could have went and got Dame. They could have went and got drew, but at the same time, you've got Jalen Brunson, you you've got, Julius Randle, who I mean, yes, sure, you could upgrade from, but this is an all-star caliber player averaging, what, 25 and 10, you know, I mean, you're, you're good with him. What you really, what you're waiting for is the right kind of wing to open up, right? Like, you need that 2-3 that's going to change the game, or that 5, right? So right. that's either Embiid, or maybe that's somebody who becomes available that's not available. Maybe that's OG, maybe OG, maybe they make a trade for OG, even though I don't think they want to deal with the Raptors. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. they're in a position now where you can... They, Whenever a star becomes available, the Knicks are going to have that 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 package to put together, right? So I think for them, it's about the right player that fits their timeline, that fits their team needs. Um, I don't think Dame or Drew really made too, too much sense to the Knicks just because of how the roster is constructed. But, I mean, if a wing or a center becomes available, you've got the assets, you've got the trade chips. Um, I think that maybe they, they make a deal sometime in the next two years. But at the same time, you've got this team 
where you got a two-year window now with Randall, Brunson, Barrett, with Robinson, with the group as, as constructed as it is. Um, I think that they, they like what they have and they're going to try to go for it because you never know, right? You never, yeah. the, the Bucks get eliminated next year in the first round, kind of like they did this year, last year. And now you've got another matchup against Miami who, I mean, I think Miami's worse than they were last year because yeah. you, you lose Struess, you lose, uh, who else did they lose? They Gabe, lost somebody Gabe else. Lost. They, exactly. You lose Gabe Vanson to the, to the Lakers. And you, I think you recently, you get Josh Richardson back and you're looking around like, okay, well, well, what did you really do? Miami's not going to be as good. Boston, I mean, they, they look really good on paper, but Porzingis, I mean, we saw what he did here in New York. I don't really trust him to be healthy or to deliver in crunch time, right? So right. things could go, things could shake wrong for the, for either one of those teams. And now the Knicks are back in the second round against the Heat. You beat the Heat this time around. Now you in the Eastern Conference Finals against a team that's not Milwaukee or Boston. You could you could end up in the NBA Finals just by virtue of another team, you know, falling off. So I, not, that's, I'm not saying that's likely. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's possible. So I, I think the Knicks like what they have. I think they like the continuity. Um, and I don't think they're going to blow that up unless it's the right superstar type of player that makes you on par with that with that type of Milwaukee or Boston. I don't think Drew Holiday would have done that. I do think a player like Joel Embiid does that. I do think the right type of wing uh, does that as well.